welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If we admit we're a day late this week, that's because the weather has finally turned to pleasant. So frankly, we've been doing the Consummate Athlete thing outside in the last couple of days. Well, and we also had a busy stretch of, well, you busy stretch of weeks, but the, the weekend, life. weekend was busy. Molly's still doing yoga teacher training and I had an Ontario Cup, so the Provincial World Championships of Ontario is what we like to call them, and so it's always a big deal for me. It was the first race back, so great to see everyone, and, and I am really keen in on these this year. I've refocused on the provincial level, and yeah, so the race went really well. It was really exciting uh, for men in the front there racing together, and yeah, I ended up making a move on the flat, which is not generally my strength, but I guess maybe it is, and two of us got away, and, and then I lost in a sprint finish, which is predictable. Bad when even your boss was like, ah, Pete lost in the sprint, but what do you expect? It's true. I, <laughs> I tried to start sprinting about two laps out, and actually three laps out I started and tried to drive them all off my wheel, but didn't yeah. work. But it was very tactical. I think I did very well and got the closest I've gotten in a full-out sort of sprint, you know, building towards that sprint. So it was very fun, and really I'm going there more just to ride with people and have a, a good time, so it was a good weekend. Um, but... Yeah, we both had those sort of busy weekends, so I think we're here on Wednesday now instead of Tuesday, and it sort of took, you know, those two days to sort of get back to on top of things and recovered. Oh, um, you're recovered? Ah, I mean, I'm close. I'm going to hope today I'm going out and doing some, some intervals, so hopefully, hopefully we're okay. Man, I just did a lot of yoga, and I still don't feel like I'm recovered. You would think yoga would be very recovery-friendly, but as it turns out, yoga teacher training, not so much. Well, it's tough, right? We all have these you know, pursuits in life, you know, you're taking this educational thing on the weekends, so you're thinking a lot and interacting with people and you're driving and traveling, um, you know, food's a little disrupted, sleep's a little disrupted. And then on top of that, you have to do your normal work, you know, Monday to Sunday, since we're both sort of, what would that be? I want to say sole proprietors, but entrepreneurs, self-employed <laughs> contractors, right? You're working all the time. It's flexible, but you're working all the time. So in any case, you know, you're sort of burning the candle at both ends, so to speak. Yeah, and in very exciting news, I actually handed in the uh, hopefully final edit for Shred Girls, the first book that'll be out with Penguin Random House and Rodell Kids uh, sometime in twenty early 2019. Uh, so that was very exciting. I mean, I know some people have read the early version, but I have to say I'm super excited about where the edits went and where the cover design and stuff is going. Um, so yeah, lots of exciting stuff, but also, yeah, lots of commitments and, you know, stuff just pulling me in a billion different directions, it feels like. Yeah, and I mean, today's podcast, you know, where we're sort of foreboding. Yeah, if you haven't gotten the hint here. Is about uh, a variety of things. There's some BMXing in there. Yeah. Um, some skill and sort of getting into BMXing, but then also a bit of someone's, you know, our guest's experience with what he's dubbing as a adrenal fatigue or just sort of this, again, burning the candle at both ends, right? Maybe doing a bit too much in all aspects of life or a few aspects of life, you know, and just getting run down, right? And there's different names for that. Um, yeah, I think the general term in the last couple of years, the one that's kind of trending is the idea of adrenal fatigue. And I mean, it's not, uh, as far as I know, there's no testing for it. There's not really anything that can tell you, like, you definitely have this. I mean, some doctors even say it's not technically a real thing but I mean I think most of us can agree that there certainly is this kind of chronic fatigue thing that happens when doing the whole burning the candle at both ends. 
Um, actually, I every time I think about this, I talk about it a ton, but I had interviewed uh, Dr. Michael Ross, the bike doc, a while back, and he said something that really stuck with me, and it was, even if you train three hours a week, that could actually be overtraining. Um, you know, for someone who works 60 hours a week and has three kids and, you know, is running a household, that three hours a week can be enough to tip you over the, you know, stressful edge, especially, you know, if you're trying to go really hard three hours a week and you've never done that before. So basically, even if you're not training 25 hours a week and, you know, going crazy hard and stuff, you can still be getting yourself into a, a tough place. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think it's, you know, it's like anything, right? It's sort of like the, the gluten uh, sensitivity versus, you know, just not eating a great diet, you know, versus actually having celiac disease, right? And in the same, there's sort of a spectrum here where there's Addison's disease, which is actually you do have an issue with sort of those adrenal glands and, you know, there's actually something you can test and, and that the doctor could actually diagnose. And then there's also, you know, phases and, and degrees of that. And so we'll learn a bit about that today and someone's experience sort of doing that. Um, it was interesting this weekend, I had a few questions, you know, one athlete had been following me on Strava. Um, that's Thomas Glass, if you want to be on the inside. Whoa, you're putting it out there. I don't know. They'll never find him. He's an international man of mystery. Um, but he asked sort of if everything I put up there was my training. I was like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I walk a lot. We walk a lot. You know, that's what this podcast is about, sort of all the different things we do. So I do, I, I am pretty active throughout the day. Yeah, you're um, also not putting your strength training in. And, and that was the other variable I wanted to say. And then the other variable is always, you know, to your point, you know, someone could burn out on three hours a week, but... I have this chronic like 15 years of endurance training, you know, we'll call it a base. So, you know, what it takes to A, maintain my fitness and then B, also to improve my fitness is different than someone who's just starting, right? For me, you know, it took two days after this hard effort at the weekend on the O-Cup till I'm even feeling motivated and like I could actually do work. But the work I have to do takes recovery. If I just go out and ride again, I certainly could. Like I actually did ride Monday. I did two hours because I knew Molly was coming back for Tuesday and we we're going to do, you know, have sort of a more relaxing day. So I knew that'd be more of an off day. Yesterday was relaxing? Yeah. So, I did a hard ride. So all that to say, he was sort of just like, wow, that's not a lot. But it's, it's, it's the... The details, right? Of like, A, what am I doing? Usually it's mountain biking and riding up a hill really, really hard, but I need to recover between that, right? So it might only be an hour ride, but there might be 10 sprints in that that are really pushing how well I can sprint, which apparently is not that well, as we mentioned earlier. So... Again, there's this myth that I think to get fast at something or good at something, it always needs to be more, more, more. But the reality is a lot of us don't have that more, more, more. It's not an option. And then also it's not always the best way to get better at something. And right? more, more, more doesn't just mean more volume. It also means more intensity too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're always thinking about that loading, right? Just like in the gym, like I can walk into the gym right now and lift up like one heavy deadlift and I could be just off, like have to recover for a week, right? So... It's always those details of what did you do? If I just said I did one, one, one rep today, I went into the gym, warmed up, you know, did some leg swings, one hard rep, right? You'd be like, wow, you're not training very much, right? But that could really have a, a potent dose, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one piece to the overdoing it, right? It's not always so simple. And then the other sort of aha moment I had this weekend was say a person had done well in the race and then you're really motivated, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to like do something the next day after the race, you know, what's the workout tomorrow? But the problem is you need to recover and sort of just, again, those basics of, you know, recover, 
you know, maybe an easy spin and then back at it, usual routine, right? But you're so motivated and, and you know, you want to keep on that high of that great form that you end up, it's very tricky not to overdo it and then just crash. And then on the flip side, if you don't do well at the race or at the thing you're, you want to do, then it's very tempting to the next day you have to get, you know, be in the gym early or, you know, cram in a ton of training, go do a five hour ride and you've never done a, a two hour ride, right? Cause you need to really cram that in And that's sort of the danger and where people get into trouble, right? Is they, they have the test, they finally get to test day and then they realize they need to do something, right? And that's, it's, it's tricky. It's sort of that middle ground, right? Yeah. So all that to say, adrenal fatigue, whatever you want to call it, is, you know, definitely an issue. And, you know, it's not it's not easy to avoid it, but you certainly can. And you can certainly be training a lot smarter. And, you know, nutrition plays into this. Lifestyle plays into it. Um, so to throw it out there, we've actually been doing a lot more training and nutrition consults. So not necessarily like, here's your training plan. More like, okay, what have you been doing you know, here's how to kind of optimize what you're already doing and make it work better for you. So you can find out more about that at consummateathlete.com or go to the show notes of this episode and we'll have links in there. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, usually the advice in those, you know, it's some, you know, what we're discussing is some element of sleep, you know, improving sleep quality, sleep hygiene, um, you know, maybe doing less again, someone not, you know, just doing way too much. Um, given the time they have, right? Like they're staying up till 11 o'clock at night riding the trainer, you know, indoors on their bike, you know, when they could just be sleeping and do an hour ride or something, right? Um, and then the other piece is just there's no recovery days in the entire week, right? They're doing something, but none of it is that high quality or that volume, right? So they're training an hour a day because that's all they have, but they might be better not to train an hour a day. They might, you know, if they take two days off in the week, those five days of training could be much better and they'd actually get a chance to absorb the training. Yeah. So again, check the show notes if you want details on that. But in the meantime, let's get into this episode with John Bedessa. All right. So, uh, yeah, I started racing BMX at the age of seven. Oh, wow. Um, from there. Yeah. So I started young, um, typical path, you know, you go for your state title and then back then, um, and it's probably still the same way you had your um the points title so if you were the highest had the highest points of any athlete in the state you would win that championship and we could never do anything small so from there at that time they had a national high point champion which was you had the highest points in the whole country and uh, i ended up winning that uh two years in a row which is is a pretty big feat because uh living in new england we only race from april to november Mm-hmm. So you're competing against kids from all over, you know, all over the warmer climates, Florida, California, that are racing year-round. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing that, I was literally racing nine days a week, three times on a Saturday, um, you know, Monday through Friday, Sunday, like every day of the week we were racing to, to achieve that title. Um, from there, it went to uh, chasing the national championship. Um, and I was on my way to doing that. Um, there was actually this show back in the day, I don't know, for the old timers out there called the Sun Kiss Kids. Um, but I was supposed to be on that show and training for the world championships. I actually broke my ankle and that took me like out of everything. Oh, and how um, old were you then? Um, when I broke my ankle, I was, uh, 12 years old, 12 to 13. Oof. Yeah, so that that was uh, 
luckily back then we were actually at a national in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, and and it's kind of sad because my family's always followed auto racing. And that night um, was a Friday night. We were supposed to have a tour of the speedway and this whole you know intimate thing. And like I was looking so forward to it, and uh, I ended up breaking my ankle. So the closest I got to the speedway was meeting Dr. Trammell, who actually worked on um, you know. He helped put together all the race car drivers when they crashed and broke their legs. So luckily I didn't need surgery, but I was in a, a full leg cast for uh, uh, four months. Literally it was the whole summer. Like I broke my leg on uh, June 21st and I was in a cast till October. Oh, so man. yeah, that was kind of miserable, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, but it lit a fire. So when I came back, it was like, you know, now I had to achieve everything that, you know, was left on, on, uh, unturned. And from there, um, I ended up winning that 1991 season. It was my first season back, and I won pretty much Rhode Island state title, Massachusetts state title in the same year, national championship. Um, back then, they had a U.S. Open championship. I won that, and I got a bronze medal in the world. And then the following year, um, 1992, I actually won the world championships, and uh, got, I actually crashed into the Grand Nationals, and I got the number two place <laughs> and state titles, and... So yeah, that was the, the, the short on the BMX days. And then, um, I took a lot of time off. I was always into like weight training and stuff from just racing the BMX. So I did that for uh, the next nine years between work and school. I got dabbled a little bit in auto racing for a couple of years, lost uh, probably more money than I care to talk about. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it was really fun, but extremely expensive. Um, so that was that kind of ended that. And I actually, uh, once again, got back, you know, I never really stopped the weight training, but, um, I ended up tearing my left bicep and, um, ironically around that same time, you know, I was, I wasn't a pitcher of perfect health back then. I was probably, you know, well over 220 pounds and my cholesterol was 300. So I had to uh, clean up my act and, um, started running and stuff and then with the torn bicep i couldn't run so um i had my gym membership so i started riding the exercise bike and as soon as i got back on the bicycle it was like oh my god i'm home again and uh yeah that was uh that started the next phase which is uh <laughs> the, the whole road thing and, and i was gonna come back to bmx because this was around the time of the facebook era and everybody's like oh the good old days and they're posting pictures and all this and if we race i'm like you know, I, I need to get outside anyway for my rehab. I'm like, hey, maybe I'll just race BMX again. And uh, the funny thing is I did a national. Like, my first race back was a, literally a national. And um, I got third, and it was like, yeah, it was been there, done that. And it, it, like, usually if I lost a race, it would, like, this fire in me. And it totally didn't do the opposite. But um, from just the training to get ready, because even when I raced back in the day, um, I, I kind of supplemented the the road bike and the mountain bike mm-hmm. and, uh, I just kind of went down the road path and that was, uh, that's where I ended up staying. And then from the road, you, you know, you start out as a cat five and quickly moved my way up. And within a couple of years, uh, I was a cat one racing pro. I won the new England road race and, uh, criterium championships. And, uh, that was the end of the saga. I kind of pushed it a little too far and, uh, yeah, here we are talking about what I ended up doing to myself. So, yeah. Yeah, so what Fun exactly, time. what did that look like? I mean, how much were you training and stuff that you managed to put yourself in such a world of hurt? Um, yeah, so believe it or not, I mean, I, I, always, I was 
basically training five days a week. Um, I had my two hard days, you know, as in, and I follow the traditional training path of, uh, you know, everything, you, the periodization and all that good stuff. But uh, like a lot of people cannot ride the, the trainer. And for me, like that was the, that was what I rode because it fit my life back then. So, um, at that time I had a girlfriend with kids and, and between work. And so I would just get up really early, get on the trainer, do an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever I had to do. And then, you know, live my life somewhat normally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, ironically that winter which was, uh, the winter of 2015 in new England was like probably one of the worst winters we ever had. It was just like constant snow, constant, um, cold weather so to get outside and ride it really didn't happen so i was uh you know just concentrating on doing the trainer and and, and it's the whole story it's, it's not so much the training but it's that lifestyle that you live as uh you know i'm racing pro so obviously the whole name of the game is power to weight ratio and you want to be as lean as you can and as uh you know as, as fit as you can but mm-hmm. that's the misconception that people have is that you know being fit and being healthy are two totally different things. You can be extremely fit and you're not very healthy. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the whole, you know, the, 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 you know, the nuts and bolts of this thing. Um, cause once, once you, and as an athlete, you get that addictive personality, yep. um, you know, the compete, defeat, accept the award lifestyle. And, you know, when you're lean and you're feeling great and you're at the top of your game, you don't want to give that up. So, um, and that was the thing. Yeah. I was always trying to stay that way and, um, un, unbeknown to me that, um, you know, what I learned later after, you know, going through what I went through, um, yeah, it was pretty stupid what I did. And, um, the effects of stress are, are extremely cumulative and I don't think people realize how cumulative it is. And, um, yeah, it's damaging to the body. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember I actually recently interviewed a doctor and he was saying pretty much the same thing is it's actually surprisingly easy for especially athletes who aren't just racing. So non-pro athletes, it's so easy to get overtrained and get into trouble because there's all the cumulative stress from daily life and work and family and all of that that we don't think about as training stress. So we're like, oh, no, I'm only training like 10 hours a week, but that can still put you into problematic territory. Yeah, and and even like the big training programs, and and I've used them when you have your training stress score, and that's like, you know, as an athlete, that's your Bible, and even for coaches and everything. But that's your training stress. And and just like you just said, that doesn't take into consideration, you know, soccer practice or – you know, your environmental stress or, or things like that. And um, when you start factoring all that in, then, uh, you know, that stress is a lot more than just that TSS number that you're seeing on the screen. And, and people need to um, definitely take notice to that and realize that that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So for you, what were sort of some of the, the warning signs that you were kind of in, in trouble there? Well, I mean, it's the typical early signs. I mean, the early signs are, you know, your recovery, you get the heavy leg, um, your good and bad days, kind of those days when the alarm would go off and you just didn't want to get up to train, but you're like, ah, if I do it, I, I know I'll, you know, I'll feel better afterwards. Um, like water retention, basic stuff like that. 
Mm-hmm. And then um, as it progressed, it, it, and this is, once again, it goes back to the mentality of the athlete. So it's like if you crash and you get cut, it's like throw dirt on it. You'll feel better, you know, and you mm-hmm. always, you, like, you push through. And, like, especially with road racing, um, you know, and, and triathletes, they're, they're you know, you, it's they're competing against times in themselves. So road racing is you're competing against somebody else. So I, I use the analogy of, you hold your hand on a hot burner, and as bad as it hurts, you have to hold it there if you want to be relevant in that race. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of block the pain out and just, I'm going to do this no matter what. But um, the late signs, I mean, uh, I think for, for even coaches and, and regular athletes, the late signs, you're, when you're failing workouts, there's a reason you're failing workouts, and it's not because you went partying the night before or, or things like that. You know, there, there's a bigger picture there. Um, once again, you'd be unmotivated. You're, you're constantly feeling tired, irritable, recovery will be poor. I mean, you're going to be, you know, you may be battling injuries. That wasn't what I went through. Um, mm-hmm. brain fog was terrible. I had like severe brain fog. Um, and what that is, is, you know, when you're, you'd be talking to somebody and like, say we were talking and I'd be like, Hey, you have a nice, you know, I want to say Chevrolet in my head but Mm -hmm. i couldn't find the word so i'm like hey your car is nice you know yep yep things like that you you start craving uh you know certain foods salty foods for the most part your sleep is gonna be pretty much be wiped out and the the weird part was like around three o'clock like my body would shut off Mm -hmm. it was like three o'clock in the afternoon it's like i needed to take a nap but yet you know by six o'clock you're like so they call it tired and wired Mm -hmm. and um so that 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 stuff was like the early signs, and um, and in my book I talk about pretty much the whole what I did and exactly the training and and everything. Um, and the late signs, I had this general feeling of unease that was in my body at all times, and it was like kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really think anything of it. And uh, one trainer session that I did, it was like my A workout for the week. Um, literally, I put myself in the emergency room after that workout because uh, I finished and my body, like I, I killed the workout, I finished and I'm cooling down and my body just never, it was like that hypoglycemic bonking feeling mm-hmm. and then it just stayed that way and I'm like, okay, you know, as an athlete, we've been there a million times, so let me eat and do all this stuff and I ate tons of carbs and everything else and it never went away. So I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble here. So I went to work, literally made it to work because I'm, I'm home alone. And uh, this was like hours later, like an hour, well over an hour after I got off the bike. And I still had that feeling. And my friend's like, you all right? I'm like, oh, no, you got to take me to the emergency room. Jeez. But once again, when I went there, they ran all these tests. And, you know, by then, it, you know, my body started to calm down and, uh, you know, they ran all these tests and they couldn't find anything wrong with me. They're like, oh, you're perfectly healthy. So with <laughs> that, like, no, that I'm not. Regular... Well, yeah, so that that was early. So then, you know, that kind of wrote it off. I went to my regular doctor. I actually had an EKG done and um, they couldn't find anything wrong. So, you know, my heart, my blood pressure was, you know, it's low. It's, you know, I'm in shape, so I should have low blood pressure. But that that's another uh, misconception. Um so yeah, at the EKG, they wrote it off as dehydration. So obviously you got to get back on your horse. So the following week I did the exact same workout and, you know, I got through the workout fine. So now that kind of 
uh, erased what just happened the week before. You know, oh, maybe it was dehydration. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that it's that push through uh, mentality that yeah, it, it's not uh, it was not the smartest. So at that point, I kind of scaled things back. And um, this was that believe it or not, that's actually uh, that anniversary is coming up. That was around just before springtime. So once the weather started getting nice, like it was time to start riding outside. And um, the, we had a good weekend. I went out. We did a 90-mile a, a ride, and I got through that ride fairly okay. You know, I was still having that unease. So the following week, I went out and did another, the exact same ride, 90 miles, and I felt great. So like 35 miles, like getting closer to the, the, to the farthest point out, and then my body shut down again. And um, I ate everything I had. We stopped at a, a store. I, I ate, like, every form of junk poison carb I could get in my <laughs> system. And it, it didn't work. So I'm like, okay. And now I, I should have called for a ride, but, you, like, that's beneath. You know, you can't call for yeah, a ride. Yeah, you can't You're do open. that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I ended up riding home, like, right down the main road. And I'm like, if I get hit by a car, it'd be an improvement. But that was that was my wake-up call. And with that wake-up call, um, from that day, I'm like, I'm done. I'm taking a month off. I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And the part that really um, hit home with me, so from that month, I went from doing all the training I was doing, 90-mile rides, all that, to a month later, I was completely incapacitated. I couldn't really walk around the parking lot at work. And I'm going for all these medical tests, and they keep saying, oh, you're perfectly fine. You're normal. There's nothing wrong with you. Have you ever been diagnosed with depression? I'm like, I know there's something wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, there was, uh, yeah, for a while, I mean, I, I really thought that I was dying. I mean, it was that bad. And it wasn't until later that I actually had the the correct analogy of the feeling that that I was living with 24-7. So as an athlete, when you push yourself to the point of throwing up, I don't know, I'm sure you've done it and many of the listeners have done that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so right before you throw up and you have that feeling like I'm going to die, like that feeling in your body. Mm-hmm. Well, I was stuck in that feeling 24-7 for months. Like it wouldn't disappear. It was that feeling, not not so much the vomiting, but that that your body is just broken feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took a lot to, to for that to uh, subside and, and um, extremely major life changes to um, to get rid of it. But, you know, and that was the case. It was multiple doctors. It was, you know, I wouldn't see, I think, oh, it's in your head. So I'd move on to the next doctor, cardi- uh, cardiologist, and then holistic doctors. And they keep coming back with the same thing. We can't find anything wrong. We can't find anything wrong. And um, that's when I, I really started to um, diag- uh, self-diagnose and, and honed in on the adrenal just by, you know, taking the symptoms that I was experiencing and, um, you know, doing the research on what could cause these symptoms. And I kept coming back to the adrenal, the adrenal, the HPA access. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, once I started that, I started feeling better. And then there's a whole, uh, you know, a whole story on uh, on that to to get going yeah so once you once you'd taken the month off did you start seeing stuff improve or did you need to make more life changes before everything kind of started coming back to status quo well no so the month off i got worse 
Really? And everything you read about overtraining is you, that's the number one thing is to rest is that's your recovery. You need to rest. Mm -hmm. I rest. I didn't ride. I ate right. And I got worse. And, um, yeah. So, but once again, so at that, after all of this and, and to get a little sidetracked, but so people put a lot of faith in doctors that they know what they're talking about. And, you know, you, you rely on your doctor to look after you. And as an athlete, we're at a severe disadvantage because, you know, you exercise, they just check your blood pressure, which is good. They're going to check your blood sugar. They're going to check your cholesterol, you know, open up and say, ah, look in your ear, hit your knee. Oh, you're perfectly healthy compared to the normal people that, you know, that they see on a, on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. this is a misconception because as an athlete, um, there's all kinds of hormonal things that go on, stress markers that need to be checked. And that's the only way you're going to be um, diagnosed properly. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And until, uh, until that happens, you're, you're going to be in for a, it's like they treat the symptom, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. Thyroid, they'll, they'll check one thing, your TSH, and, you know, is you fit into a range. If you're between one and five, you're perfectly normal. Even though you have all the symptoms of it, it, it's just, it just doesn't work that way. And I just hope people realize that. <clears throat> yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's kind of crazy. And I was even thinking about this just, you know, in my own life. I'm, there's oftentimes, like, my stomach will be bugging me or something. And I'm just like, man, like, I'm a really healthy person. How am I dealing with this stuff? What do normal people feel like who don't exercise and, like, eat all the junk food all the time? Like, is this what right, they go through daily? <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the really, so how I, I explain this and we can talk medical terms, but people, people don't, they're not, it's not going to sink in. So I, I, I like to use analogies and, I, and I, I've always done that my whole life. Like how I remember the clocks change it is spring ahead, fall behind. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way I remember things. But so if you're an athlete, you, you have to think of their body as a reservoir of, of, you know, just like you have a reservoir of drinking water. So your body's a reservoir training is a sunny hot summer day and recovery is a rainy day so just like a reservoir if you're addicted to exercise you you can't you know you have to you feel guilty missing a workout and all that and and i was there and i'm sure there's many people that are still there um you have to earn every bite of food that you eat you know the whole gambit but if you just have these sunny days that reservoir starts evaporating and getting and your body does the same thing it'll just start your heart but you don't feel it because it's your hormones and, and your vitamins and minerals that evaporate mm-hmm. and it's only until you get to a certain point that problems start happening and, and just like in real life um you know when the, when the reservoir gets low what do they tell you oh I'm, you you shouldn't water your lawn you shouldn't um you know don't wash your car things like that they start holding back so your body does the same thing it's going to start down regulating itself because the ideal goal is to maintain homeostasis mm-hmm. and depending on how far that you take that you know if you get to a severe state like i did um you, things will just start shutting off and um just like you know in the water you might have you can only use water one day a week or, or every other day something like that um, so it, it's very, very similar to that. And there was actually a study out. Now, this is these people that are addicted to exercise. When you exercise, 
it, it stimulates your metabolism. So your body, like we were talking earlier, it wants to maintain homeostasis. So when you put on all this external stress, it's going to slow itself down because it has to protect itself. So you're actually slowing your metabolism down. You're not speeding it up. And there, there's a, a study out there on The Biggest Loser. I don't know if people have, uh, have watched that show, but um, they did a test before the show with the, you know, with the contestants, as unhealthy as they were, at the end of the, the show, and then six years after the show. And so before the show, their metab- the metabolic rate was around 2,600. At the end of the show, it went down to 2,000. And six years later, it went to 1,900, which it never recovered back. And for the most part, at the end, they pretty much gained all the weight back. So this is like major stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. You think you're exercising to be lean, but you're actually damaging your metabolism in the process. Yeah, I mean, especially so, at the level that someone on, like, The Biggest Loser, where they're tra- like, they go from zero to suddenly training, like, 10 hours a day and doing crazy high intensities and stuff like that, that doesn't really make sense when you're just starting out yeah exactly and and that's the misconception so when i was talking about the reservoir so how your body down regulates itself so when you think of thyroid hormone you have uh t3 which is your active thyroid so you can think of that as your gas pedal to make your body go well the opposite of that is reverse t3 which is the brake pedal to slow your body down So Mm -hmm. now when your body has to slow down, it's going to have like, you know, the cortisol will will inhibit these hormones from being produced, your your active hormones. It it will suppress your system, your endocrine system. But it's going to slow itself down by high levels of reverse T3. So even though your thyroid numbers may appear, they're in that one to five range where it's somewhat normal. It's not, that's not the picture. You have to look further. And, And I guarantee you go to your doctor and say, hey, can you run a reverse T3 test on me? They're going to be like, what do you need that for, you know? They wouldn't even want to talk to you about it because, you know, they don't know this stuff. And it's the same thing with your hormones. And even, like, these athletes that have low testosterone and, and low um, androgen hormones, it, it's the same thing. You have sex-binding hormone globulin that is the same thing. It inhibits that hormone from being active. So if you're constantly putting your body in a catabolic state, it's not going to want to be anabolic because it, it has to be. It has to slow everything down and shrink to survive. It's a, it's a survival mechanism built in, and um, yeah, it, it's in, in getting tested. It's it's you know you need a doctor that really understands the athlete and uh, is willing to work with you. And that was my biggest problem because I went to all these doctors. And I couldn't have the test done. And if I wanted a referral to another doctor, I couldn't get it because they're like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're normal. You're in the normal range. But I'm not normal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Once, yeah. So now I'm, I'm, I'm addressing my adrenals. I'm taking all these vitamins and supplements to build my system back up, vitamin D, different things. I want to get tested to see where I'm at, where are my numbers at. And it's, it's extremely frustrating. And in certain states, you can order your own lab work. But I live in Rhode Island. That's one state that does not allow it. So even if I wanted to pay out of my pocket and have these tests done, they would not do them. And that's so it, weird. It was extremely, yeah, it was extremely frustrating to, uh, to, to live through that. 
Yeah. So for you, what was your, what was the turning point? When did things start kind of coming back up and you kind of came out of it? Um, once, once I started honing in on the, on the adrenals and really supporting uh, the, the, the HPA axis. So getting, uh, getting back to the whole, um, the reservoir thing. So the HPA axis is the stress system of your body. Mm-hmm. So the hypothalamus sends the signal to the pituitary gland, to the adrenal gland to produce cortisol. When you're exercising, that's the fight or flight um, response in your body. And you have your nervous system. You have your sympathetic nervous system, which just like the hormones, your sympathetic is the gas pedal. The parasympathetic is the brake pedal. Mm -hmm. So when you're constantly putting that stress on that sympathetic nervous system and, and cortisol feeding it, like, hey, we need this. You know, it dilates your, your blood vessels, it dumps blood sugar to give you energy, it opens up your lungs, it does all that. The things that you do to exercise, especially when you're warming up. Um, so that system, you have to you have to tame that system. But the problem is, like in my case, it's it's it works on a negative feedback loop. And and I know for and once again I use these analogies, but so what that means is when your body's constantly flooded and it's time to stop your hypothalamus will, you know, it, it senses that cortisol and it shuts off. Just like a gas pump, when you're putting gas in your car, when, when that tank fills up, it shuts the pump off. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the perfect world, that pump shuts off. Well, when you damage your body, like through overtraining or stress in general, you don't, it doesn't have to be overtraining, but that pump doesn't shut off and it keeps pumping that cortisol, which in turn disrupts that whole system. Because now you're not your your nervous system is staying wired. That parasympathetic nervous system isn't. Um, it's not calming it down, and that's when you have all these you know all the signs and symptoms. Your low hormones, all these things, until you really address that. And um, sadly enough, the only way that you can address this is through major life changes and through um, you know. Diet, you have to get rid of all the inflammatory stuff in your diet. And and I know you have uh, nutrition books and stuff, and you know what that kind of diet looks like. You're not eating gluten. You're watching, uh, you know, their grotogens and their nightshades and all that. You're cutting all that stuff out. Yep. you gotta just <laughs> you got to get rid of all your stress. And, for, and that's including work stress. That's including relationship stress. That's including environmental stress. Like, And, and not that- just like, oh, I'll... I'll take a week off. You know, it doesn't work that way. And that's hard because often dropping the stress or trying to actually like is almost more stressful, right? Like, oh, I can't eat all of these foods, but I love those foods. So now that's a stress. Or like, oh, I need to like back off at work. But now, oh my God, are they going to replace me? So you're adding in all of this weird, it's so hard to actually unload stress. Oh yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's, it's a, it's life changing. I mean, those relationships and, and it's, you know, so it's creating more stress because now you're worried about how the other person's going to feel. Mm-hmm. And, but that's the whole other aspect of this because it's not like you broke your leg or you broke your arm. Mm-hmm. It's your insides are broken. And throughout this journey, I've known people literally who have been diagnosed, battled and beat cancer. Multiple people that have done that. Um, people that have broken bones, needing major rods inserted, and come back to full health while I'm still dealing with this. Mm-hmm. 
And that's the severity that people don't realize. Like, when you start damaging um, organs, they don't heal like a bone. Like, oh, six weeks, I'm back in action. It could take seven to ten years. So you need to really, really uh, realize what you're doing. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's 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 very humbling and, and life-altering. And and that was another hard thing because as a, as a high-level athlete, you have the addiction factor. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was hard to get over because as soon as I started to feel somewhat normal again, uh, it was like, oh, I got to get back. I got to get back. And it's like the worst thing you can do, you know. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it took me a long time to get over. And this is actually the first year that I totally don't feel guilty. Like, I rode outside for 15 miles this whole, so far. And usually by this time, I get a couple thousand miles. Mm -hmm. It's all good. I go, if I want to exercise, I'll go for a nice walk. I'll go for a hike. You know, I still ride, but there's no agenda. If I feel tired, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. It's just listening and being in tune with your body. Yeah, absolutely. And so when did you when did you end up starting the Fit to be Sick website and how did that spiral into a book? Um so the so the website uh I started that last year and and I think it was actually part of the recovery process because mm-hmm. because it's like why did this happen to me? I'm, you know, and it was uh nobody so I kind of disappeared without a trace. So I was when I was like on my game, I'm putting on training rides and I'm doing all this stuff. And I like just fell off the face of the earth and like nobody really knew what happened to me. Like my close friends did obviously, but to describe it and, and just the, the story itself would be hard to believe. Like all the stuff I went through um, with the, just with the doctors and just finding out the, the different supplements, how they affect your body and, and, uh, things like that. So I'm like, I, I need to write a book just to get this out there because, like I said, um, I, there was this hopeless feeling when I was at my worst, uh, and I'm like on my couch and I'm thinking I'm going to die, and I can't call for help because there's nobody, there's nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. They think it's in my head, like, oh, you're crazy. It's in your head, and it was like that hopeless feeling, and and I just, I don't wish that on anybody, and I, it's just there's nothing out there talking about this. And I know, and I've met many, many people um, since I've started this stuff that are, have gone through the same thing or very similar or are in the process of it. And they're, you know, it's the same thing. The doctors can't find anything wrong with them or, you know, they want to put them on hormones that you can put yourself on a hormone, but it's not going to answer the question, you know, mm-hmm. and just like, cholesterol somebody could have elevated cholesterol they'll put you on cholesterol lowering drugs but all the hormones in your body are built from cholesterol so look at the hormones see if you have a a deficiency before you just start taking that cholesterol away because it's 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 giving you a sign you know yeah absolutely and getting back to the reservoir thing like even that so when you're in that state of you know the sun's drying up that reservoir one rainy day does not fill the reservoir up. It may take weeks. It may take months. And depending on how far you pushed yourself, it could take that long just to get back on your feet where you're, you know, you're feeling halfway decent, providing you do the right things, you know, mm-hmm. just taking a day off your bike and, and, you know, I'm not going to ride today, but I'm going to go for a run. You're still putting stress on your body. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Maybe make that a walk instead of a run. If you really need to, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. and walking, and I was always against wall. I'm like, ah, I'm walking. It's like a waste of time. I'd rather go for a dog. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Like, after living what I went through, like, I love walking now. It's like one of the funnest things they do. It relieves your stress. Um, meditation, breathing. Um, yeah, it's, it's all good stuff. And, and I think anybody should uh, incorporate that into their program. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. Okay, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find "Fit to Be Sick" the book and how it's how it's spelled and yeah, where where you're at on the interwebs. All right, so the book "Fit to Be Sick" you can buy that on uh, Amazon. Um, I have a paperback and there's actually the Kindle version of that. Um, the website is fittobesick.com, and it's um, fit and two also, with the uh, number. What's that? And it's fit to be sick with the number two. So. Yeah, F-I-T with the number two, B-E-S-I-C-K, fit to be sick with the number two. And uh, we also, I also started the website, uh, cyclingjunk.com, which is an online cycling marketplace that's all just strictly cycling and uh, it's all free, free classified. And, oh, nice. And uh, we, we sell, uh, my cousin's a professional detailer, so we created a, uh, some detailing products um, that are carbon friendly and you know it's not toilet cleaner that most people clean their bikes <laughs> with, you know very cool and we'll have all the links to that in the show notes awesome and, I uh, think... sorry go ahead yeah no the the, the even the with so the, the website thing how we got into that is uh just the when i was racing it was the 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 pricing of the sport it was just insane and you see the the junior fields were like you know six riders and the master yeah. fields were like full fields so we're like it's it's for what it costs for a high-end carbon frame set you can buy a motorcycle mm-hmm. it, it just it blows your mind i'm like we just have to do something that to kind of like help the sport grow you know so yeah. that's how that all came about. Oh, I love that. I actually have been talking about that a ton, that there's a huge barrier to entry, especially for, I mean, for younger riders and just for, I mean, any, you know, if you're going to be a world champion in cycling, you can even speak of this, you have to be pretty young when you get into it for the most part. And if your family is, you know, lower income, it's really hard to get into the sport of cycling. So helping break oh, those it, barriers it, it, is awesome. Yeah, and, 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 and my cousin, he sent me a, a so you can, like a, a Z06 Corvette wheel, wheel is, is a set of high-end carbon wheels costs more than Z06 Corvette wheels. It, just, <laughs> it blows your mind when you, when you look at comparisons like that, like this makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. And you know that like the technology, okay, I understand there's R&D, but you would think the R&D for like a motorcycle or, you know, car wheels is going to be, you know, pretty high to, you know, put people's lives on the line too. So Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I'm so glad that we got to talk to you because I do think this is kind of one of those issues that a lot of people go through. And I mean, they end up just quitting athletics altogether. And I mean, you know, while you're not still racing at that high level, it's awesome that you've figured out what the balance is where you get to be active and healthy, but like taking care of yourself. And I think a lot of people struggle to figure that out. So I'm really glad we had you on for that. Yeah. And I mean, and just like anything else in life, there's three things that motivate people. It's inspiration, obligation, or desperation. So when you're inspired, right, when you're inspired, that's like exercising and competing. You're inspired to compete. 
obligation is work. You have no choice. You have to go to work to earn a living. And desperation is why I wrote a book about fit to be sick because uh, <laughs> I had no choice. I was desperate to find the answers on why my body shut down. And, and um, yeah, and and this is the thing. So is it, people will think, oh, well, this is just for somebody who injured themselves. But if you implement these things into your healthy life of training, you're going to be that much better. It's mm-hmm. like legalized doping is what it is because now you're protecting your body you're going to be able to push harder because you're not going to, you know, you can still damage yourself, but you, it's going to, you know, if you respect everything, you will be better in the long run. So it does apply to everybody, healthy and um, obviously people who push too far. Yeah. What's that saying? The ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So definitely worth, yeah. <laughs> definitely worth looking into and yeah, checking out the book before it becomes an issue. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll spend money on that two grams they're going to save on their bike, you know, which is, you know, when you really look at it, that's like, you know, a couple sips out of your water bottle, you know, Yeah. <laughs> but like something that'll actually, because your body, you live in it for the rest of your life. So when you damage that house, it's a, like we said, seven to 10 years that um, it's going to take you to uh, heal up some of these systems and it's just not worth it for whatever paycheck it is or or uh, affirmation that you're looking for yeah absolutely awesome well thank you so much for taking the time to chat i think yeah like i said this is such a great topic to talk about especially heading into base training season <laughs> yeah 100 percent. because now this is the time of the year that everybody's uh, pushing the big numbers so it's definitely uh just something to think about and um yeah just, everybody in like I said, it's not just the pros, it's the amateurs or, or just people looking to lose weight. I've, I've talked to people of all walks of life that uh, I've run into issues. It's just something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John. I will keep you posted on the episode. It was great chatting with you. All right. Thank you, Molly. It's been a pleasure. Hey guys, before you go, we just wanted to have one quick word from our sponsor, Health IQ. Health IQ is a life insurance company that helps the consummate athlete like you save money on your life insurance. To find out more, you can check out healthiq.com slash CAPOD. That's C-A-P-O-D for all the details and to take a free quiz. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Consummate Athlete Podcast. To check out all of the show notes for this show, go to consummateathlete.com. And to follow along with our various adventures on the social medias, you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash consummateathlete or follow me, Molly Herford, at Molly J. Herford on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Peter Glassford on Twitter and Instagram. And if you could do us a huge favor and rate and review the podcast over on iTunes, that helps us bring on more guests, you know, get more episodes out and do more cool stuff. So we would be forever grateful. And if you're looking for coaching for endurance sport or just for health and wellness, uh, you can check out smartathlete.ca. And for amazing outdoor content, you can check out theoutdooredit.com. Aw, honey. And that's theoutdooredit.com for Molly Herford's writing and all things outdoors. All right. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.